0: Good morning. Last week was quite a week for our church. How many of you attended the uh, Christmas concert? Almost everybody. Was it extraordinary? You say yeah. I tell you. Been doing this church thing for a long time. 30 years Christmas as a minister. That was certainly one of the best ever I've ever been a part of and really touched my heart and moved a lot of people. One of the things that I realized in the middle of that concert uh, was something I think that's beautiful about our church. Not that it makes us completely unique from every other church, but something that we need to celebrate. Is that this church really has a family emphasis. We're a family-oriented church. Now, if you're a single person, I'm not saying that to exclude you. What I mean is, there's a feeling of family about our church. Uh, and you got that glimpse because we have older people and we have younger people, middle aged people, we have children. It's a great mix of people. And you got to see it right there because we had children and we had adults all singing together. And I was visibly moved when I looked up and I then saw our teenagers singing. Just totally free and unencumbered praise to God mixed in with our adults and that choir and seeing those relationships that were built. You know, as I think about uh, my own son and growing up here in the church, this is something I realize uh, that I think is true for most children and youth in any church. My son may not remember what he was taught, but he will remember who taught him. He, it's, it's not always the content that's important, but it's the relationships. And ultimately, when a person leaves the church to go off to do their life, what will bring them back? The relationships. And, and so my son will always remember it was Skipper Martin who taught him how to give a proper handshake and look another man in the eye. It was a Sherry White that helped him overcome his shyness where he could stand in front of the church and uh, and and be baptized. It's those relationships. It's all about family. And I think that's something we have to offer uh, to anyone and to everyone. It's a strength. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about family on this second Sunday and Christmas. I want to talk about peace in our families. And I want to talk about what it means For us to invite into the heart of our families, the Prince of Peace. Now here's a scripture that I'm going to use to reflect on. It comes from Isaiah chapter 9, where the prophet is talking about the birth of a son, a child given to us, given to our families, you might say. And he writes, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his government and its peace, it will never end. This is the reading of the Word of God and God's people did say. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure.
1: I came to hear my granddaughter sing. I can't come in here tonight.
0: You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church?
1: Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. We lost our tempers, and I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same, and we haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't.
0: No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid?
1: You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid.
0: That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark. There's weird stuff down there. And it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years.
1: Basements are like that.
0: Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. That movie is a relatively new movie in terms of all the great Christmas movies, but it's become a... A regular family favorite for a lot of people. Because I think it's something that everyone can identify with. Everybody can identify with a Kevin who feels disconnected from his family. And from the older gentleman there sitting in church feeling the pain of estrangement from his son. I think that this this movie really speaks to something that we all feel most profoundly at this time of year. You see, Christmas is a wonderful time of year. But it accentuates whatever we're feeling. So if we're feeling joy, we feel more joy. But if we're feeling sad, it, it accentuates our sadness and even makes our pains and sorrows feel more deeply. We feel it more deeply. I've wanted to show this clip for more than 10 years for this very reason. And I think that there are a lot of people in our church, and just anywhere because we're a part of families, who, who feel broken from people in our families. I think almost every person in this room, you'd be an unusual person in this room if you don't have some place in your family where you feel some pain. If at some point in your life you've not had some kind of conflict with someone in your family. I bet right now there are people in our room who have tension in their families and things that you wish you could make right that you feel pain and sadness over but you're not sure what you can do about it. I have a really dear friend. He's been attending here with me for more than 15 years. But on Christmas Eve, he can't bring himself to church. And the reason is that on Christmas Eve, there's so much emotion and feeling attached to Christmas that the sight of all the families, the feeling of the music and the carols bring up so many memories. And for him, it's just too painful to be in the room because he and his son have not spoken in years. They have not been together in years. And at Christmas, he feels that brokenness more than ever before. So on this second Sunday of Christmas, I just have to ask you this really important question. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to call? What's keeping you from making that call? You see, we can talk about peace on earth and, Lord, we're praying that you're going to bring peace to the world we live in, bring peace to the Middle East, bring bring peace to Northern Ireland, bring peace to our city. But God can't bring peace to the world if he doesn't begin with our families. You know, when people make an appointment to come see me, it's a very rare occasion when someone makes an appointment, walks down the long hallway to my office and then sits down in the chair across from me and says, you know, David, I just wanted to set up an appointment with you because I'm very concerned about global warming. I'm not saying it's not a serious issue. Or, David, I'm really concerned, you know, about the Middle East and the conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews. It's just really breaking me up. Now, people are concerned about all these sorts of things. But when they walk down that hall to talk to me, and they sit down in a chair across from me, it's almost always about the same thing. It's about their families. It's about their broken relationships. And you know what's the one thing I've discovered that sometimes it's the most painful for people? It's not when I feel broken in a relationship with a son or a daughter or a family member. It's when people in our family have broken relationships. When they come together around the table at Thanksgiving and Christmas just to do it for dad, but they're not really talking to each other. I tell you, there's nothing I want more in the world than for my children to love each other. And when I see my son and daughter together and happy together, it makes me so happy to see them together and to love each other. There's no greater desire for a parent than to have their kids love each other. But when we are parents or we are in a family and we have members of our family that are broken and are not together, gosh, it hurts us so much because as much as we want it for them, they can't, it's not going to happen unless they want it themselves and are willing to pick up that phone and to make that call. That's why this Christmas I have to ask that question. Who do you need to call? What's keeping you from making that call? I just read a wonderful book this last week, and it surprised me that I actually would pick it up and read it, because honestly, I don't think I've ever read a book written by a politician serving in office or having served recently. Because I'll just be honest, I'm skeptical. You're skeptical, we're all skeptical of the world we live in. But I heard about this book written by Joe Biden, that a lot of people are reading right now called Promise Me, Dad. Now, you may remember Joe Biden was vice president for eight years, and he's no longer serving. He was also a senator for more than 30 years. What you may not know about Joe Biden is he has a a very private, personal pain that he was carrying in his heart for a long time. His first wife died in an automobile accident, uh, leaving him with two young boys, and his daughter was also killed, and his wife. He then met and married another woman named Jill, and they raised their two boys together and then had another, had another child together. And for Joe and Jill Biden, their family has been everything to them. What I love about this book is it shows the personal side of someone that we may like or dislike based on their politics. You get to see who the real person is when you look at their family. And during his last term of office, during the last two years when he was vice president, his son, Bo Biden, who was the attorney general of Delaware and an Iraqi war veteran, uh, served in the military proudly, was diagnosed with a form of terminal cancer, brain cancer. And so this book chronicles and tells this private story and emotional struggles of a public figure trying to do his work, meanwhile keeping private a very private and family thing. It's very tender. It's, it's very sweet. But what this book did not do it made me cry, but it didn't it did make me feel sad. It made me realize two things. It made me realize that the most important thing in all of our lives are our families. The people that God gave to us that we love and that take care of us and that nurture us. And that in those families there are problems. And that there will come a time and there will come a day when we can't make things right. And Joe's dad, Bo, made him promise. Dad promised me promise me after I'm gone that you're going to go on and keep doing what you're called to do and you're going to do it right. His sister got up and gave the eulogy for Bo's funeral and said he will always live in our hearts. The most painful thing that I encounter Ever as a minister, the most painful and sorrowful thing that I have is when I stand at a graveside with a family and there were things that were left unspoken and that people leave the graveside with regret in their hearts and have never taken time to make peace. I would ask you, what is a more painful thing? The, the, The fear of making the call and being rejected and feeling the hurt and dealing with the hurt or living a lifetime of regret and not taking care of what needed to be taken care of, because once they're gone, they're just gone. Who do you need to call? What's keeping you from making that call? On a personal note, my mother, I'm really proud of my mom. My dad died three years ago, and my mom has become not only a survivor but a thriver, and I'm really proud of the life she's now living. Used to, I'd call her at home, and she was always at home. She was never anywhere. She was just home feeling sad. But now I'll call her. She's not at home. She's out playing dominoes and gambling or something. Who knows what she's doing? (laughs) Running around with her friends, going out to bars and listening to country western music, having a good time doing stuff she's never done before, and having a wonderful life. She spent so much time taking care of my dad at the end of his life, and now she's living all over again. I'm so proud of her. But this last week on December 6th, she sent me a note. She was feeling sentimental, not sad, but sentimental. It was the, would have been the 57th wedding anniversary for my mother and father. And she wrote me this note, and she said, David, 57 years ago I married your father. I was 16 years old on December 6th, and we had our first Christmas together. And we were so poor we couldn't afford a Christmas tree so your dad waited until Christmas Eve to go to buy the last tree on the lot, and it cost $1.50, and we got a Snoopy Christmas tree. It wasn't much to look at, but we thought it was beautiful. And she said, we bought a Monopoly game for your Aunt, Sis- your Aunt Susie, who was your dad's little sister. But we kept the game and played it ourselves we, because, because we were just kids too. And she said, you know what? You were born a year later. And she said that was the most... We've had a lot of wonderful Christmases, but I'll never forget that one. It was the most special Christmas we have had. You know, it's hard to believe that my dad's been gone for three years. But that first year after we lost my dad, it it couldn't have been any harder than it was on all of us. And I remember right after the holidays, my mom had such a hard time getting through Christmas. It just hurt her heart so much to be without my dad after 54 years that she became physically ill. And I had to go home. And take care of her. And help her get back up on her feet. The reason I share all this this morning is not to make you sad. It's to, to, to realize there's an opening here in your hearts. Christmas is not always the most wonderful time of year for people. It's a lonely time. It's a sad time. It can be a hard time for people. But it's also an opening in people's hearts. There's something, there's something about what Christ does at Christmas that opens us up to new possibilities. And just maybe... Just maybe this year we can make something right. Maybe just this year we can make amends. Maybe this, just this year we can, we can make peace. You see, one of the problems I think we have with Christmas, this is the biggest problem we have with Christmas. We feel like if we're having a hard time or we're lonely we're sad, that Christmas is not for us. Now I wonder, where did we ever get that idea? I know where. We got it from Hallmark. Hallmark is of the devil. You know, see, we we all want a hallmark Christmas. You know, perfect, you know, perfect meals, perfect food, perfect everything, perfect families. But the reality is we're all probably having more of a lifetime Christmas. Lifetime channel Christmas where you're taught how to bury the bodies. Think about it. Lifetime, that's all mixed up families. That's more our story. But what I wanted to assure with you is that if you're having that kind of Christmas, and there's so many different types of ways that people, it's not wonderful for people. Think about the family whose mom is now trapped inside of a body and she can't express what she thinks or feels because of the stroke. Thinking about the mom or the dad who's sitting in an apartment now with boxes surrounding them on Christmas Eve and without their children because they've separated Thinking about the families in our city that have lost children because of the opioid crisis. That's an epidemic destroying lives in the city. It's these stories that cause me to say to you that... Our tendency at Christmas is to pull away, but this is not the time to pull away. This is the time to lean in and to feel what we feel and to invite the Prince of Peace, the wonderful God, the mighty God, the wonderful Counselor into the heart of our lives, to the center of our families, to make those calls, to make amends, to make things right, to not just pray for peace in the world, but to pray for peace where it matters first and most of all within the people that we love that are around us. That's where we can make, I can't do anything about Palestine, but I can do something about my relationship with my sister, or with my mother, or with with my friend. You see, when Jesus was born, uh, he came, and who did he appear to? He appeared to shepherds, people from normal families. We don't know their circumstances, but I bet their family was just, just exactly like yours, and we sometimes forget that Jesus was born into a family. Oh, and if you think he had the perfect family, well, you're mistaken. May I remind you just how dysfunctional his mom and dad was? When he was just a little boy, they went to Jerusalem for a big trip. And on the way home, Joseph said, "'Well, Mary, I thought he was with you.'" And Mary said, "'Well, I thought he was with you.'" Oh my Lord, we left the Son of God in Jerusalem, and they were 100 miles down the road on their way back home. So if you think your family is dysfunctional, they lost the Son of God. It was into this world that he came, that he came to bring peace. And he said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. For born this day in the city of David is a Savior for all the people. And this is the title that Isaiah gives to him. Isaiah said he's been given to who? Given to us. Who is us? We is us, bad grammar, but we is us, us, all of us. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. Think about that. You know, Lord, there is so much hurt. I don't know what to do. But instead of trying to figure it out on my own, I'm going to turn to you, who you know, you're the wonderful counselor. You can bring healing. Will you bring healing? And God, I look at my family, and I look at what's going on in the world around me, and I think, I can't resolve this. I can't fix this problem with my kids, with my son, with my daughter. I can't overcome this fear that I have and the struggles I have personally in my own life. But you can, God. Didn't Jesus say what's impossible with human beings is possible with God? I need a mighty God. Will you come, mighty God, this Christmas to me, to my family? And I need an everlasting Father everlasting what does that mean it means everlasting from beginning to end there's never a moment in your life that he doesn't have his hands on now I know some of you when you hear the word father you may not associate good words I had a wonderful father I thank God for my father my dad pop was the best my dad loved Christmas had a great father wasn't perfect but that's not true for everyone But I want to tell you, regardless of who your father was, we have an everlasting father. A father who never gives up, who never quits, who believes in us from the moment we are born to the moment that we die and just keeps fighting for us again and again and again. And maybe you need that this Christmas. Maybe you need that everlasting father to come and speak love to you in your heart. And then all of it's summed up in that one word, prince. Prince of peace. The one who can bring peace and end the conflict and strife and hurt and sorrow and pain. I just wonder what it would mean to you this Christmas if, at this Christmas, you could decide to put behind the resentment and to forgive. If you could put beside the fear and reach out. If you could put beside the hurt feelings and realize that love is possible where you didn't think it was possible. And if you could invite the Prince of Peace into the heart of your family. This is what the Word says about that. For those who do this, it says in Philippians 4, one of my favorite verses, it says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Now, that's not so easy, is it? It's not so easy not to worry about anything. But he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And what is everything? Well, he means it, everything. 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 Nothing. Don't hold anything back. Tell God what you need. Nothing's too trivial. Nothing's too superficial. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And I would add this, thank him for what he will do. And then here comes the promise. Because Jesus is our Savior. Then you will experience God's peace, which transcends all understanding. And what what does that mean, all understanding? It means based on what you're going through, it doesn't make sense that you have peace in your life, that all your problems have gone away. You have a peace on the inside because of who he is to you and what he's going to do for you. I believe this. I've seen this. I know this is true. I know what God can do when people open up their hearts and let go and just make the call. Because it says his peace. Don't worry about protecting yourself. You don't have to shield yourself. Because his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you, underline the word, live. Live in Christ Jesus. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to call?